Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to tell your career story in a job interview. Today, I brought on Tina Person, a career and leadership coach. Tina Person, PhD, is an author, entrepreneur, and sought-after speaker whose creativity, confidence, and tenacity have earned her the reputation as a dynamic leader within the career space. After spending nearly two decades in academia, Tina decided to enter the staffing industry, where she garnered eight years of experience working as a recruiter and talent sourcer. To date, she has assisted hundreds of people around the world in launching new careers. And fun fact, when she is not coaching, you can find this passion professional working on becoming a professional Pilates instructor. How cool is that? So as you can see, Tina's just going to be amazing. And this episode is really going to help you if you're struggling to stand out in those interviews. So let's get right to it with our 192nd episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right. Awesome. Tina, how are you doing today? I'm doing perfectly fine here. Thank you very much. So glad to be invited and to start talking with you here, Chris. I am just so excited because stories are one of my favorite things that I'm interested in. And I think getting into some of that during this interview is just going to be amazing. I can't thank you enough for being on the show, but I wanted to sort of frame in people's minds and for our job seekers, why is it so important to stand out in the job interview? Why do I even have to stand out? It is as simple as that, that, you know, I worked as a recruiter and headhunter for, for many years. And it is something that occurred to me was when I was interviewing people, that some people, they actually didn't fit the job, but they stood out anyway. And, you know, being number one and getting the job, that is, of course, you know, it's super hard competition. But if you have all the perfect skills, you usually nail the job, even though the interview is not perfect. May I say that? But... Then you have people, you know, that you rank two, three, and four, and they somehow sticks on your mind. So even though they didn't get the job, I still remember them. And, you know, when you work as a recruiter, these people, you know, you remember them. So suddenly a company calls and they say, do you have anyone in that and that job? And I say, yeah, you know, I met that person on an interview. So hold on. That's fascinating. You're telling me that even if I'm not the number one person for the job, if I'm two, three, or four... I can still grab that spot if I stand out. Yes. And that is what I want to say. Most people get so disappointed when they are number two, three, and four. And I say, you shouldn't. Because if you still stand out, somehow people remember you. Then the next question is how you can follow up so people continue to remember you. That's how you nail a hidden job, as I call it. But, you know, why to stand out? There are many reasons. But, you know, if you come to an interview, it's always about being remembered because the competition today is so hard. So maybe say you interview 10 people, a recruiter can, you know, interview 10 to 20 people per day. But people somehow, some people tend to stand out. So nail that job not necessarily being ranked number one, but you can be two, three, and four. Again, another one, yes. maybe even better. <laughs> I love that answer. And I think hopefully that's inspiring for job seekers who feel this pressure to perform in an interview to beat out the competition. But I'm thinking this is going to be an empowering episode for people because all they need to know is how can I stand out above the rest? And that'll push me to that number one spot, even if I wasn't number one to begin with. So 
I could tell a story about that. I had one woman, she was an expert on standing out, from my opinion. I mm-hmm. ranked her number three or four. So she was not ranked as number one. And I usually send three candidates for the job. So she was, you know, on the border to be sent or not. But she called me, she talked to me. And, you know, the way she was talking with me, with me. Somehow I just pushed her in and I convinced the company, do you know what? I think we should talk with four clients here. Four. Check these four prospects. And do you know she got the job. She got the job. She got the job. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's so you awesome. see, you know, what a story can do. You know, the way you can impact people by being, you know, standing out and kind of connecting. Okay, so I gotta ask, it's one of the things that we are gonna be talking about is the really kind of the art of storytelling. But why storytelling? Why is this something that can make me memorable or help me to stand out in a job interview? Yeah, I think first of all, we have to go back on time. And you know, I'm from Sweden. Scandinavia is a northern country. And maybe you know these Vikings. I see TV series <laughs> now about the Vikings, you know, and you love that one. Yeah, who doesn't? It's actually storytelling in it. But we had all these stories from the Vikings and they were told from generation to generation. So the stories that remains today, they are the good stories. So they stood out somehow. And if you know, Chris, if you go to a film, you read a book. There's certain films and certain books that you remember. And if you go and you go to a conference and you listen to, you know, workshop and seminar and lecture after lecture, there are one or two that you remember. So you have to ask yourself, what did they do so I actually remember? And they have a connection. They build a connection. It's a mixture of personal and targeting to the person in front of you because that kind of is bonding. It's so funny because I think back to some of the speeches or talks in the past that have inspired me. And a lot of them, I think the biggest takeaway, the biggest thing that I do remember from these speeches are the stories themselves and not necessarily the point A, B, and C, or even the statistics and the data that was thrown out during you know those. It was actually just the story because something about my brain and what it latched onto for months and even years after those speeches were the actual story. Why can we not do this during the job interview is the big question that I think a lot of us need to ask ourselves. Yeah, it should be used much more. And I have it in my book. I have a template for people who are beginners, where to choose and how can I start to write my stories. And I say, you know, a good way of tailoring it to a job interview. If we take job interviewers, it is, of course, that you understand the job ad, you know, so what are they looking for? And then you look at yourself, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses? What are my transferable skills like problem solving, how I work in a team, communication, work ethics, etc. That is, you know, my transferable skills. Then you write down certain of these skills and then you write a story around them. So when they ask about your weaknesses, you just share a pick from one of the stories. I love that. That's fantastic. That's a perfect segue into the heart of this podcast really here. It's it's preparation, which I've heard over and over again. That's the most important thing when it comes to an interview. First of all, would you agree with that? And if you were to agree with that, what's the best way to weave in storytelling into my interview preparation? I can put it this way. Absolutely. I work a lot. We can't, you know, clients who come to me, I coach them and they say, Tina, I need help with an interview. My job is then, of course, to ask what kind of interview is it? 
Because if you don't know what, is it a spontaneous interview? Is it a technical interview? Is it a case interview? So the more you know, the better it is, of course. But what you can prepare, you can Google actually the most common interview questions. And then, of course, most clients have done that, you know. So, okay, what questions are you afraid of? I say, and then we start with that. And then I say, okay, now we have to go back to the job ad again. So what is the job about? What are they asking for? You need to understand that. You need to know that. And from there, when you write down your transferable skills, technical skills, and then what kind of personality they're looking for, then you look at yourself. Okay, I don't have all these skills here. Yeah, it's no worry. You know, we're talking about strength and weakness here. So if you know who you are, let's say that they are asking for a true team worker and you know that "Mm, maybe I'm a team worker sometimes, but not always, then you write a story when you are a good team worker, but you can also write a little story when you maybe are not that good team worker. So you have the answer of both strength and weakness. For example, you know, I love that. And I've never thought of telling a story off of the the classic, what is your greatest professional weakness question? That's not something that, that I would have thought to done before this, but it just makes a lot of sense because when someone asks a question like that, they're not necessarily looking to find like what's wrong with you, right? They're looking to find out, you know, how you might deal with it or how you're looking to improve yourself as a professional. So I think that's great. I want to come back to that question in a second here and how you would answer that in a story. But Basic 101, how do you tell a good story? How long should I be? What are the components, if any, of a, of a good story? So a good story, when you start, I take it from the interview. Let's put it that way. So an interview question. So the story will be that you take an example from your past. So again, you go back and understand the job ad. And then you sit and reflecting back on your past how, for example, you solved a problem. So, okay, I solved a problem in certain ways. So the first one is that you say you define the problem and then how you solve the problem, what skills you use for solving the problems, and then what you learned. Okay, it's like the task formula or something like that, or the car, challenge, action, result, like one of those those things. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of a star and the pass, a situation, task, action, result, kind of. That's a good way of doing it. Then you can involve when you're writing it, but you start like that. And then when you look at it, some persona into it and some personality. You cover competence, skills, technical skills, and personal skills, personality skills. So it's not that difficult. So you start with the star in the par, and then you have a short template. I have a template in my book. I actually have it here in front of me. You can use in the role of, and then you have the job title. You know, I can apply my training skills and experience to and then, you know, what you did there, value one and two and three, if possible, as I can. And then you use the competences that you have used or experiences. And I'm an excellent player as or team player as your soft skills coming in nicely. And then you can end it. So by knowing your par or your star technique, if we call that, it's easier to transfer. And the rest is actually that you're just reading it and repeating it and reading and repeating Till it sounds okay. Till it sounds good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's the practice that I want to get in before showing up to the interview. I need to make sure that what comes out of my mouth sounds like an actual fluid thing that a human would say. (laughs) And that is why I say the template is not to sit down and read, even though I use it with my clients. And I say, now we have to make it a natural answer. So if you reflect back, and you probably know Chris, Chris, can you tell a story about, you know, when you solved a problem? 
above expectations. When you get that on an interview and you're not prepared, it's like, I have to think. <laughs> but if, if you have prepared a bit, you maybe have two stories. And then yes. you think, okay, I take that one. I know one, one problem I solve above expectation. It's a funny one, you can say, and you can laugh. I take that one. So it comes out pretty natural then. Okay, that's awesome. So now we've given people a good framework or you've really shown how people can show a good story. I want to try something a little bit fun with you right now. I don't know how this goes. I never do. And perhaps I'll embarrass myself, but that's all, always <laughs> the fun of a podcast, right? So let's, let's kind of do some brainstorming. And I want to come up with a story for if someone asks me what my greatest professional weakness is, I want to come up with my own story for that answer. Does that sound like something we can do? Yeah, absolutely. Your professional weaknesses. So, so. <laughs> We're about to get heavy. <laughs> you want, I never heard about that. I want to know about my professional weaknesses. <laughs> but, you know, Chris, then you have to tell me, you know, a time when you maybe failed and you didn't expect to. Okay. So is that a different question than the, the weakness one or is yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how you react on it. This is more brainstorming rather than how I would answer. So let's <laughs> don't judge me too hard, listeners. I think a time when I failed. Let me think about that. I remember once I was running, I was managing a restaurant over in New York State, and we had a lot to do to get it up and running. And so I remember, I think opening day, when we were opening up this restaurant, we had a very long turnaround time. The food was taking a really long time to get out and our servers were really slow and there was just a lot of confusion and there was like a really big kind of this mess going on. And I take a lot of responsibility for that because I was the one who hired all the people who, you know, they hired the one or two servers who were in charge and who were responsible for that. I would consider that whole day a fail because just the food was really going out really slow during that time and the servers were going slow. Now, that's not my actual answer for what I would say. That's me kind of just telling you. But what do you think about that? How can I make that sound nice? Because it doesn't sound nice. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound nice. So look on you now here, Chris. Was there anything that you could have done better in that situation, if you remember that? Was this situation due to you, if you remember? You as a person. It was. Mm -hmm. It was. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was our servers that were slow. Or it was our runners that were slow. But really, at the end of the day, it's my fault because it's your fault. I was the one who trained mm -hmm. them and I was the one who was mm -hmm. trying to get them mm -hmm. up ready for that opening day. Mm -hmm. So you were the leader of the team. And, I was and, the leader. And yeah. <laughs> it was cows there. So it was something in the planning and the organization here. Oh, Chris, I have a feeling of. So when you look on it here, what would you have done differently today? If I would have done it differently, experience always helps. So I'm glad I have this. I think I would have, ah, this is hard to say, and I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, but I think I would look for people who would have had a little bit more experience than the people who I hired at the time. Because I think that's a really tough thing to say is like, I want to, I would rather get more people, but at the end of the day, it still does come to me. So I would have looked a little bit more closely at the people who actually brought for the opening day. Because an opening day for a restaurant is much harder than if I were an already established restaurant. So I think having the people who already had experience, perhaps with a, a restaurant opening, would have made things a lot smoother. And I would have mm -hmm. had some better systems in place. So if you now look on yourself as a person here, what does it say about you? Then it went like this when you look at it. What does it say about you? What personality do you think? I think it says that I don't just blame people. 
And I think that is a positive. I do take full responsibility for that opening day and for things being messy and chaotic. And I didn't just say, oh, it was our, you know, it was our serving team whose fault it was. I didn't do anything wrong. So I think having a strong sense of accountability is a positive thing. Now that thinking this through with you, I think it could say that I am introspective enough that I can learn from my mistakes <laughs> and fix it. Fix it yeah, for next fix time. It. It fix it yeah. next time. So let's put it this way. You may be a little bit optimistic and naive in the planning the first time. But, you know, when I listen to you now and I talk with you here, kind of interview or coaching or whatever, I can hear that, you know, you are aware of that. So let's say that you are kind of optimistic in your way of being. You have a wonderful story to tell here and you can laugh about it because the learning lesson is I learned this, you know, it won't happen again. This is a wonderful story, Chris. It's absolutely wonderful. You can tell this story in less than 45 seconds and make it this weakness to a learning becoming a strength and a new skill in the future. That is awesome. And I can't believe we just did that on the fly right now because I was I was nervous. <laughs> uh, we were just brainstorming. And now that I think about it, if I were to interview for a position like that, even if it wasn't restaurant related, I could actually use that story. And I would want to refine it to where it was at 45 seconds, I think is reasonable time for me to be able to get that out there. But I think the question that you asked back to me was just so powerful. Like, what did I learn from that experience that was a quote-unquote failure that I could have gotten better at. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And if I were your coach, I would put a twist in it. Sure. And say, could you please add some humor? Okay. So you get feelings into it. Because how did you feel, I would say, in the situation when it started to get chaotic at that time, of course. But if you retrospect and look at it, it's like a movie. You see, you know, Chaos. You can smile at it. Yeah, I remember. It was a lot of chaos, you know. It was chaos, guys, you know. And But I learned so much. And that's a twist that you could put into it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. <laughs> this is turning out way, way more exciting than I thought it would. Okay, so I have a few other specific questions about interviews that I would love to get your take on. First of all, what are some big mistakes that people make during the interview that we should really be avoiding? One big mistake is people coming in, they talk more than the interviewer. You have booked, as an interviewer, you usually book one hour for screening interview. And I'm famous for talking a lot, Chris. Google it. Google it, yeah. And, you know, I remember a couple of times my prospects, if I call it like that, they were talking about everything. So I asked maybe two, three questions and their answer were not really connected to the interview or to the job ad at all. And that's very annoying. So listen, you are there to answer questions and you should, of course, have fun, but don't talk more than the recruiter, if I put it that way. The other is if they talk too little, so you get yes and no back, kind of. Yes, no, very short. Yes. After a while, you have done the interview in 20 minutes. You're almost desperate to get something out from the client here. And the other one is, of course, that have Google, the one most hundred famous questions. And they have, you know, Google how to answer them and taking it really seriously to really learn to read the questions by memory. So it's like boom, 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 boom. So when you have a follow-up question, it's like blank. They don't know what to get out of the follow-up question. So it's, it's like being prepared with no flexibility or no like creative improvisation that might come Exactly, because you okay. have memorized it. Like you memorize the alphabet or, you know, A, B, C, D. And that happened actually, particularly when people, maybe English, like me, English is for me my second language. So when they come and it is a second language or third language even, 
it's easy that you sit and memorize. But, you know, people don't care. They realize you're not native. And that's not what you're going to be judged for as long English not going to be your main language in the job, of course. Okay. I want to go back to your last thing you talked about, making sure that you don't talk too little or making sure you don't talk too much. Um, I can already hear listeners who probably are worried about one of those two things. Is there an optimal, I guess, time or like a ratio of the back and forth dance that goes between interviewer and interviewee? What really should be my baseline? Listen to what we are doing here now. It's like a conversation where the question comes in very natural. So you should, you know, avoid talking over a minute. But if you have to, because the question is about how did you deal with a difficult project and it takes longer than one minute, that's obvious. But, you know, it should be a dialogue where two people are involved. I would say. Listen to what we're doing here. Now the pressure's on. Now we have to make sure we're that's <laughs> a good <laughs> ratio. <laughs> but that's a good point. It's it's we're having a fluid conversation right here. And yes, like Tina and I are having fun here and being rather informal, you know, but I think at the same time this it's a good demonstration of really what a good back and forth conversation should look like. And Tina's answers have been great, like very concise, and I'm not timing her or anything like that, but I'm I'm actually drawing a lot of parallels between the advice that she's giving and how she's talking. So I think that's a good way to do it. So let's talk about virtualness. Obviously not doing these interviews in person anymore for the most part, right? So how does that change things for how I interview? Mm. Yeah, you of course change a lot because you have to kind of make an impression through the screen. So the preparation is more important than ever. But you know, certain things like check your computer. People come as clients and suddenly the computer doesn't work or the camera. Well, you know, my camera is not working. Not good enough, you know. You have one chance here to stand out and, you know, your camera on the computer is not. So if possible, you must have a setup there where you can change whether your computer or not. Then, of course, use headset, please. Too many people don't use headset and the sound quality is too bad. So even though you look a little bit funny, with your hair and so use headset. <laughs> we I are think doing my hair, hair looks better with headset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your hair looks really good, really That's good. Just me. But my hair is a bit more flat than normal. <laughs> uh, and I need my glasses. And so prepare mm. so you have the technical setup. Mm. Choose a place where you are not disturbed if you can. Okay. And then try to have a neutral background. Okay, I was gonna ask if the background yeah. mattered and, and you came with the coolest background I've I've seen in the last few episodes, <laughs> but how neutral does it have to be? I see you have this brick thing behind you. What do you yeah, recommend for I job seekers? I just say neutral. So can you can sit and have a wall behind you. You can try not to have a window because then you get this light against you. So the screen is completely black. Mm. But you can have your you have your paintings maybe or you can have your shelves or something in the back. That's perfectly fine. And what you have, Chris, that's perfectly fine. That would do for an interview. <laughs> just, just make sure there isn't like, I don't yeah. know, like a f something crazy going on behind me. But I can take something that I wouldn't do. And that is to have your kitchen and it's really messy. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Or you have a bathroom and the bathroom door is open. Not clever, you know, so some kind of wall, which is organized. Okay. I really want to highlight the preparation thing you've talked about, I've done, I don't know how many Zoom meetings since all this started, but the times that I've taken the five to 10 minutes to just get calm and just get my stuff set up versus hitting that on switch a minute before I have to have an interview makes all of the difference. All of the glitches and all of the mistakes and all of the problems I've had with doing Zoom interviews have come from just being too last minute and just turning that thing on right before. For me, I, I need about 10 minutes to really just 
get everything optimized and settled when it's serious. And I, I completely agree with you. I do the same. Yeah. I was sitting here waiting for you 10 minutes before time and I was, you know, checking so everything is fine. I don't want to screw that up because yes. I had a meeting before you and he tested a new system. And, you know, that was our first startup meeting and it didn't work, of course. I said, you know, never test a new system in a shop case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> never do that. Never do that. So I completely okay. agree with you. Calm down. And another thing what you can do to pre-prep is, of course, make yourself a cup of tea, cup of coffee, you know, so you're cooling down. I think it's a very good tip from you, Chris. Of course. Awesome. That's a great tip, Tina. Mm. So I want, really with this podcast, one thing I've made an admission to is to help those who feel like they're struggling in their job search. And I ask this for every person who comes on the show, but if you could tattoo one encouraging message for every career warrior who may be struggling, who's applying for a job right now, what would that message be? That message would be to step out on the hidden job market at the moment. We have this corona pandemic. We really don't know what's going to happen post-corona. So you need to step out on the hidden job market. And that means you should increase the amount of uh, spontaneous interviews. And I have written a blog here, you know, Chris, Use empathy when you are talking with people because every person at the moment, you know, fighting their own war and you don't know how much they are fighting. So when they get a job and they remember you, Chris, using empathy and understanding me, they might call you. You don't know. I love that. Good words of wisdom that people need to hear. I love the value of empathy. I think it's personally one of my strengths, but just one of the things that I just care so much about it. It's just like, that's how we connect to each other as humans. That's how we can relate to each other. So I think that's just so powerful. It is. Tina Persons, you've been an awesome guest. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to? They find more about me on my webpage, which is www.passagetopro.com. They can also find me on Tina Person on LinkedIn if they want to reach out to me there. Awesome. I'm glad you're on LinkedIn, as most guests are, but I like to include the, the LinkedIn URLs of our guests so, so people yeah. can connect with you. And on my LinkedIn, you know, they find all my blogs. They can find a podcast on my webpage. I have several podcasts, Career Stop, and I have my book as well. So they find all the information they need there. Perfect. In that book, you read that formula from, what is the name of that book? The formula for that book is the PhD Career Coaching Guide, but it can very well be written for higher professionals in any sure. area because it's standard tips. I love that call out. And for me, sometimes I'm very, it helps me to see how things are laid out. So that's very useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. It's blue and jello. That's a Swedish color. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. All right, Tina. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. You were excellent. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much. Perfect. Now this concludes our 192nd episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. I just love the insights that we brought today from Tina Persons. I myself know that my interview skills can use a tune-up, so I'm glad I put myself on the spot to come up with some good answers here. I just think the insights that Tina brought to the table, especially when it comes to storytelling, are just so powerful and a good way to help you to stand out in the job interview. I will make sure to link all of the relevant information in this podcast episode. Just make sure you are not jogging or driving or doing anything like that. And that just about wraps it up for today. This was the Career Warrior Podcast. Mm -hmm.